welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we were meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome back. So sometimes in life, or I would hope often in life, you come across people through different places. And in this case, it was through yoga, where you just connect on a level where everything lines up and you become friends. And then that friendship turns into something that feels more like family. And so today I am blessed to have on the show with me someone who is a, how do I put this? She's an amazing human being. She's a leader in her community, in our community. She has been coaching and consulting with companies and individuals for over 25 years. She is the founder of Samson Coaching and Consulting. She has worked with Google and Mattel and NBC Universal and so many other organizations. She has a book called Communication Secrets for Success that is absolutely phenomenal. She did a TEDx talk on how public speaking will change your life. She is a mom. She is a wonder woman. And today on the show, she is with us. Bridget Sampson is here. Thank you so much for being with me today, Bridget. Oh, it's such a pleasure and honor. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Adam. Oh my goodness. I've I've been wanting to interview you for so long. I mean, we always talk and we do our meditation classes together and you've been there through mine and I've gotten to come to different ones and it's it's always so wonderful to connect with you. I want to talk briefly about well, the main part of your business which is, you know, Samson coaching and consulting and and the self-coaching method which is something that you use to help people through. Can we talk about that a little bit? I would love to. Sure. First of all, what is the self-coaching method? So the self-coaching method, or it's known as the self-coaching model, comes from the Life Coach School. It was created by Brooke Castillo, who's the founder and owner of the Life Coach School. And many of us are such loyal followers. I'm certified in her life coaching program, and it was so transformative for me. And as you and I always talk about, Adam, a lot of the messages really are the same, but they come in different forms and they come in different models and through different teachers. And so Brooke taught us this five-part model. You have a circumstance, a thought about the circumstance, the thought generates your feeling about the circumstance, your feeling drives your action with regard to that circumstance, and then your action creates your results in your life. And it's those five parts. It's really a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's the same as what cognitive behavioral therapy teaches us, stoic philosophy, all of the spiritual teachers, the law of attraction. You can really compare it to any of the most popular philosophies out there. But the nice thing about it is 
this little five-part model that you can plug in whatever your challenge is. And you can plug your challenge into any piece of the model. If I'm having a thought, a persistent thought that's very upsetting and limiting for me, I can put it in and see, well, what feelings is that thought creating? And what actions are those feelings which are driven by the thought driving me to? And how can I change all of this and shift all the dynamics by first just being aware, right, of this process and then seeing if I want to change it. Sometimes we don't want to change it. It's not just positive thinking. So if I'm having a negative thought that's creating a negative feeling and I'm happy with the results I'm getting, I might keep that. You know, it's it's always up to the individual. But that's a really quick intro to the model. I just created a 15-minute video intro on it on our YouTube page. So I'm trying to find quick, easy ways to explain it to people. But it's definitely one of our top coaching tools that people love when they come with a problem. We say, let's plot it out here and see what's happening and see where we can make change. That's so interesting. And I, I, I love that. And I've, I've actually employed it in my own life on numerous occasions. And it's really, really effective. And it's really interesting that you say, well, there's two parts I want to address. One is about becoming aware of what's going on, right? Which is something that a lot of people are not. Most people, we run on automatic programming and we're not aware of what our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions really are or where they're coming from. So before I go on to the, the other part of it is, is what do you think is the most effective tool for honing awareness for people so that they can actually employ this model? Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll agree that I think meditation is a big one, right? Yes, because when we meditate, as you know, Adam, all the thoughts come up. And the first thing we want to do is push them away. And that's the last thing we really want to do because they're there to tell us something, to show us something that's going on within us in our inner world. So meditation brings up all of those thoughts. Many scholars say that the majority of our thoughts are in the subconscious. So we have all these limiting thoughts and beliefs that we're not even aware of. So when we sit to meditate, it's okay if they all come up. We can allow them and not attach to them and not feel distressed because we're having negative thoughts. We're having self-doubt. This is part of the human condition, right? So meditation for sure Two, working with a coach for sure. I have a beloved coach who I've been working with for years and even after coaching for so many years myself, when I sit with her and she's so spiritual as well and, and teaches, you know, is always recommending books by Pema Chodron and all the scholars and Eckhart Tolle. And so she, when I sit with her, she's able to help me pull out those really harmful self-defeating thoughts that I wasn't able to, to find on my own. So meditation, coaching, and then journaling, writing, just free writing, the morning pages or whatever your process is to get it all out and see what's going on in there. And then it, it doesn't have so much weight and power and you can work with it. It's so true. I mean, I, I find that a lot of the, so I think we have something a lot like 60 or 70,000 thoughts a day mm -hmm. as people, right? And we're mm -hmm. aware of maybe like 4% of them. Right. <laughs> the rest are just kind of running in the background and we have no idea what's actually going on. And, you know, it's interesting that you talk about when you meditate and the thoughts come up and you're supposed to push them away, but you're, you're really, you shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with that. And I also think that so it's, it's important to acknowledge the thoughts. You said don't attach to them. That's the key. 
it's about seeing what comes up. And then in meditation, if these thoughts come up, it's about shining the light on them. It's like walking right. into a dark room and, oh, and turning on the lights. All of a sudden, everything's like, oh, it's just a bookshelf. Cool. Well, we can right. deal with that later, you know, right. as opposed to what's that boogeyman in the corner, you know? Exactly. So, so yeah. it's about really not attaching to the thoughts right. and shining a light on them. And then as you go deeper in meditation, the thoughts kind of start to dissipate where yeah. you're just in that presence of awareness, which is who you really are. Right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And so often it's the getting upset with ourselves about what we're thinking that is more harmful than the thought itself. We can just see the thought and whether you like the practice of seeing it float away on clouds or seeing it trickle down a stream. There are so many methods of allowing the thought, as you said, shining a light on it, not attaching to it and not feeling ashamed of it or condemning it either is, is really so important. It's true. Self-love is, is so, so, so vital to our survival. I mean, I mean, we, we are so unforgiving of ourselves and yet we expect everyone to be forgiving. Yes. Yet we won't forgive ourselves for the literal torture that we put ourselves through. Yes. One of my favorite coaching techniques is in the middle of coaching when someone's just really berating themselves, I'll say, wait, wait, stop. Would you say that to someone else? And they say, never, never. Of course, that's so cruel and horrible. Why would you say that to yourself? If we could only practice the same kindness in our inner conversation with ourselves, about ourselves, that we do with others, the world would be a much more peaceful, compassionate place. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, when we look at, at the thoughts that come into our minds, and again, there's only a small percentage of them that actually enter. First of all, sometimes that's inspiration that's coming to you from your soul, from your higher self that's saying, hey, act on this, do this. Those kinds of thoughts we must listen to. And you know it because you feel it in your guts. Yes. But the thoughts of, of, of like, I guess, you know, I, I sort of liken it to like the angel and the devil on your shoulder. When the devil's whispering in your ear, and I don't, I don't believe in those archetypes necessarily, but you know, when you have those, those horrible self-defeating beliefs that are kind of coming in, you mm -hmm. have to really look at where they're coming from and why they're there. Cause as soon as, again, as soon as you shine the light on them, they disappear. And I feel like the self-coaching model with respect to those, it really, really helps. It does. It does. Because once you pull a thought out and you look at it, and it's also very connected to the work of Byron Katie, who I just want to mention, I highly recommend her book, Loving What Is, and she <laughs> has the four questions, right? And when you identify a thought that's harmful to yourself, the first question is, is it true? Yes. Right? And can I be certain that it's true? And then you go into who would I be without that thought? It's so powerful. It's such powerful work. Whoever the teacher is that, that resonates, who resonates for you, this is the work that takes us to new levels in our lives. It's so true because life brings circumstances constantly. And they're just that, they're circumstances. It's our mm -hmm. thinking about them that makes them negative. I'm using, right. I'm, I'm using air quotes for anyone who's just right. listening right now. <laughs> negative or positive, right? There's right. no such thing as that. We assign these value judgments to the circumstances that are occurring. An right. earthquake is simply an earthquake. Right. The earth is moving. Right. It's a fact. Right. Mm -hmm. What comes from that is us labeling it as, oh my God, it's terrible because X, Y, Z. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And if it's a little confusing, you know, 
in the work that I do, and you can find lots of videos, many, many videos on my YouTube page, it's just samsoncoachingandconsulting.com, where we explain the model and we provide examples of the model. And so I can say I've used it in my own life for weight loss, for health, for exercise, for increasing revenue, for my relationships, like my 27-year marriage and my relationships with my kids. So please seek examples. Uh, you know, I won't take too much time here, <laughs> but a really quick example that I love to share is when the pandemic started, the pandemic is a circumstance stance, right? And of mm -hmm. course, understandably, we're all having a lot of negative thoughts about it. And that's not, that's, that's totally understandable. But one of my persistent thoughts was my business can't survive this. My business can't survive this. My business is going to fail. So right immediately, we identify that and say, is that true? It doesn't have to be true, right? It was making me feel, it's always the thought that creates the feeling. It's not the pandemic that causes fear. It's what we're thinking about the pandemic, right? So exactly. it was making me feel terrified which would drive the action of inaction, spinning my wheels, not doing anything because I'm constantly thinking there's no way my business can survive this. So then of course the result becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If I would have stayed on that path, my business would fail. It would not survive the pandemic. So I looked at that with compassion. And of course I'm feeling this way. Of course I'm thinking these things. Everyone is, all entrepreneurs are, not all, but many of my entrepreneur friends are having Most. the same struggles, right? And I'm connecting with them and we're providing peer support. So I was able to, over time, not overnight in an instant, because it takes deep work a lot of the time, change the thought to my business can survive and excel if we go virtual. So we went all in with virtual training, virtual coaching, virtual programs. And my feeling when I thought my business can survive if we go virtual, I got excited and I took action and I went and I put out all kinds of free workshops and contacted clients. And this is going to be result one of the best years ever for my business. So of I course. don't mean to make it sound like some magic formula. I had to take action. <laughs> I had to take massive action, but it really all started with changing the thought. First of all, that's brilliant. And I love that. And I am so happy to hear it. It's one of those things where people think, you know, law of attraction, oh, it's nonsense. I sat in my room and I fantasized about it all day long and I looked at the pictures and it didn't work. And I'm like, okay, cool. Did you have any inspired thoughts to kind of maybe do something about anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But law of attraction says I could sit in my bedroom and generate it. I'm like, yep. Yeah, but part of that is taking the inspired action when you get the inspired thought. We yeah. have to act. We're co-creators in this experience, in this universe. You you can charge yourself magnetically and energetically to receive what it is that you're looking to manifest in your life. But the part two of that equation, which is arguably the most important part, right. is to actually take action. Exactly. Exactly. I am all about massive action and not but. And the interesting thing is also that if we take the action, but we don't have the aligned thought, mm -hmm. the action will usually not lead to the ultimate results we want. So for instance, we use the model a lot in weight loss coaching. My certification is also in weight loss coaching and people will go on a diet, right? They'll take the action for a certain amount of time and they may lose weight. But if the persistent thought is, oh, I always go back to this weight. I can never stick to this. I can't, I'm not going to be able to maintain. If those thoughts, even if they're at the subconscious level are persistent and are driving that person's ultimate action, this is why diet programs have such a dismal success rate, yeah. right? So our weight loss program, and I'm not selling it, I'm just saying is so long lasting. I have been up and down and up and down with my weight my whole life on every weight loss program out there. No offense to them. 
I have maintained my healthiest, lowest weight for two years now with this program because I rewired my brain. I realized that I always used to think, oh, I'll go on this diet, I'll lose the weight, but I'll always go back. Those thoughts were so powerful that I would slip back. My feeling would be demotivated eventually, and I would slip back into the old actions and behaviors and get the old result of the, the original weight, right? Oh, so 100%. you've got to have the thought, the feeling, and the action cycle aligned. And again, this is not woo-woo. This is cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's so true. I mean, anytime I coach anyone, I always tell them, look, as you think, so you become. So the first thing you have to do is get your mind right. The first thing you have to do, the, where I start is with a solid med meditation practice, because from there, everything grows because you can focus your awareness. Then you can focus, you can, you can really examine what you're thinking, feeling, and how you're then acting from that, which that's basically the self-coaching model right there. It's about getting your mind right so that you can control because all we have to control really is our own actions, our own thoughts, and our own feelings. Exactly. And so if you can take control of that, you will take control of your life, period, end of sentence. Yes, absolutely. Could not agree more. <laughs> and I'm still a little bit amazed that it took me until about 50 years old <laughs> to really, really grasp that and really take that control, as you said, and realize that I had the control. It was kind of this Wizard of Oz moment, <laughs> right? Oh my goodness, I can be this healthy body that I deserve. I Not be a body, but have. I'm not my body, right? Not, we're not our body. We're not our mind. But we can take control over everything in our life. For the most part. I mean, I, I empathize with people's struggles and injustice. And I know you and I are on the same page with that, Adam. We don't have this Pollyanna mindset that, oh, there are no problems in the world and everything's equal in the world and everyone should be fine. I recognize the obstacles that, that many people face and I recognize the privileges that I have had. And that's why I'm even more committed to sharing this message because it can be especially powerful though for those who have been unfairly really led to believe that they don't have the potential that they actually do have in this world. So it can be an incredible tool. And when these models and approaches have been used in, in inner city schools, which I've done as well, I've spoken at schools for many, many years, they can be incredibly empowering, not denying people's obstacles and that some face greater obstacles, but saying, hey, you can, we can all use these tools mm -hmm. to rise to the level of our potential. A hundred percent. First of all, that's so beautifully said. And it's so true because Sharice and I actually got on and did a, an episode where we had talked about gratitude. And one of the things I said, or what we said, was basically that there's always something to be grateful for, even if it just means I'm grateful to be breathing today. If you start there, it grows from there. So it's the same thing with the self-coaching model. You may not have very much now. You may be in a place where things seem horrible and completely hopeless, but they're not. You can still self-coach yourself out of that hopeless situation to a more neutral situation, to then a hopeful situation, to then a positive one, to then an amazing one. It is a, a progression of steps because energetically, despair and, and amazingness for lack of a better word, those are an energetic mismatch. You cannot yeah. go immediately from one to the other. I mean, I suppose right. if you win the lottery one day fr yes. from one day to the next, yeah, sure. But you're going to go back because you haven't actually done the work. Right. So I do want to touch on one thing before I move on to a, a very amazing topic, which is you had said that some people, they'll have negative thoughts, negative feelings, but they're enjoying their results. 
Mm-hmm. And so for that, it's like, okay, leave it, leave it alone, which I, 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 I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure to readdress that. That was the second thing that I had said I wanted to talk oh, about because, so glad I, yes. <laughs> because that's, that's something that, you know, for me, obviously there's a lot of people out there who are like, well, you, you, you always, you know, say that you have to be positive. And I, I never, ever say that you have to be positive. Right. It is okay to acknowledge whatever's going on, much like what we were talking about as far as privilege and social justice and all those things where just like like you, it boils my blood when I see anyone being taken advantage of or being treated as less than. It, I, I can't handle it. And it it feels very difficult because I don't have control. I only can do what I can. I can only affect change in the circle that I can affect change in. If I could snap my fingers and fix everything, I would. But talk to me a little bit more about what this negative feeling, negative thought, positive result situation looks like, because I want to know. Yeah. And there's so much more to the model. If anyone out there is feeling resistant to it or challenging, just know that it's or wanting to challenge it, just know I get it. And I did the same thing. (laughs) And this is one of the things that people like to challenge it. So one of the concepts that's that I find really resonates for me from the life coach school is the idea that life is 50-50, that 50% of the time we might not be so happy with what's going on or things we can't control or a pandemic or whatever, a, a client canceling an order, whatever it may be. It's not all about being positive. It's about how we respond, right? So there's going to be kind of 50-50 or you, could, you can choose yours if you want to say it's 60-40 for me. For me, the 50-50 feels relatively accurate that that things happen every day that I wouldn't choose to have happen. And then things happen every day that are amazing and beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So as you said, it's not always about if I recognize a thought is negative, immediately saying, well, let me change it to a positive thought. It's looking at the model, looking at what's being created. And it was interesting, you said, so it could lead to a positive result. It's not necessarily that it leads to a positive or enjoyable result, as you said, but that you're okay with the result and that you you don't necessarily want to change the result. So for example, you know, I would give the example of grieving, the loss of someone. Do you want to be happy and positive when someone you love dies? Is your thought going to be, this is wonderful? Of course not, no, right? No. So my father-in-law passed away late last year and I, it was tragic for me. It was heartbreaking. We felt he was too young and my kids are losing their grandfather. And so I had all of these thoughts that this is really sad. And though, because circum his dying doesn't make me feel sad. My thoughts about his dying make me feel sad. And I had thoughts that this is very sad. I felt sad. My action was to cry, to grieve. The result really is grieving a sad situation. Mm-hmm which is healthy. And more than that, it's processing emotion in a healthy way. As you you and I also, I know, are on the same page with, we are in, along with a pandemic, an epidemic of people buffering and numbing and overeating and overdrinking and overworking and overdoing everything to avoid healthy processing of negative emotion. Yeah. We are actually meant to feel our negative emotions. So if you see in your model a negative thought, a negative emotion, an action in response to that, and, it, and, and you honestly ask yourself, is this healthy processing of negative emotion, you might want to go for it and do it. And so we do so much to avoid negative feeling. And if we would just <laughs> allow ourselves to feel it, it's yeah. meant to be felt and to pass through, not to be resisted and pushed away or buffered away with substances. Well, because if you if you try to do that, it lingers inside of you anyway. I'll share a personal example because that's what I do here. But, you know, Sharice uh, and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage. And, or no, wait, 
11 and a half. No, no, no. 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. We're 10 years. I'm like, we've been together for <laughs> I 11 years. So after a certain point, you forget. <laughs> <laughs> and so for our 10th anniversary, we were planning a, an amazing trip, which obviously didn't happen yeah. because of COVID. And then I, you know, we've, we've been just kind of focusing, you know, two feet in front of us working, doing what we're doing. And then for the anniversary, I, I cut together a slideshow set to music that was basically our whole relationship, including, you know, our son, but like, yeah. it was a, it was an ode and a, and a tribute to her and us. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I'm, I'm working on it and I'm working on it and it was in secret. And then she knew what I was doing. And at one point I was getting to the end and I was, I was cutting the music into it. And she walked past the office as I was listening. And all of a sudden, like I caught her eye and I just, I burst into tears and I just started crying. I didn't want to, because also, you know, Jacob was there and he felt mm -hmm. terrible that I was crying and it was just this whole, yeah. Yeah. but all of everything just came rushing in. Cause I'm looking at all these amazing photos from our entire relationship. And, and then it just hit me like a ton of bricks where we are now. And mm -hmm. to speak to your point about allowing the grief to come through, mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I was just like, okay, this is where I'm at. And she came in and he came in and they're hugging me and the tears and it's disgusting. And, you know. Beautiful. But, but we did, we got, we got yeah. through it. And then I yeah. actually showed her the final thing and then we all cried again. And, oh. you know, and it was, it was one of those things where it was healthy to pass through it, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it was healthy to also acknowledge, Hey, look, we're in a situation right now that is less than favorable and we're still trying to come to grips with all of it. And so instead of drinking a bottle of wine or eating a whole box of cookies or mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. allow yourself to feel the feelings, right? right. Now, exactly. you have a, a solid meditation practice. You have a solid self-coaching practice. And you also have, have gone through in the last little while a very, it's so funny because I know that when I say this, you're going to say it has, it, it's, it's nothing compared to what she went through mm -hmm. and what she goes through, because that's really what it's all about. And now it's all cryptic. And so we have to talk right. about this. What is right? it? <laughs> you, you are you are the mom of a trans daughter. Yes. Yes, right? I am. Proudly. And yes. And I want to come at this from a perspective of so many people are like, well, oh my God, that must be so hard on you. And that must be, but that's as a mom, as someone who is open and is so accepting and loving of your children, regardless, all you care about is their happiness. Mm -hmm. Your first response has got to be, well, doesn't matter what I'm feeling. Yes, I've got to process that, but it's about her. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This is, thank you for asking about it, Adam. And thank you, by the way, also for your support and your openness and your kindness from stage one. You oh. know, it's really the kind of experience that requires going through stages, you know, <laughs> of, of, of understanding, of learning. And your wife, who you know is along with you, one of my favorite people on the planet and one of my greatest teachers along with you. And she was one of the very first people I talked to and just from the get-go glowed with love and acceptance and, and curiosity and support. And so it is something that takes a moment. It, it really took me a moment to really process or a, by a moment, I guess I mean three years, it's three years in, <laughs> but in the beginning, it really was my greatest lesson in the impermanence of all. I mean, I've read along with you, uh, you know, Pema Chodron books and Buddhist and Buddhist philosophy about the impermanence of everything, but we live in a very gendered world, right? People ask you right away mm -hmm. when you have a child, is it a boy or is it a girl? Right? So I had this really 
really shocking paradigm shift where I didn't know how to, to be in the world with this person who for 19 years, I 100% believed was my son and everyone I knew 100% believed was my son. And how do I now explain this? How do I make sense of this? How do I support my child who at 19 years old is, is telling me with a hundred percent conviction. And I know is true. She's a woman and she was always a woman. And, and the only thing that was a mistake is what we thought, what we thought we understood to be the truth. So it's been my greatest lesson in impermanence and embracing a new reality in the, the idea that all of these social constructs and cognitive constructs that we accept and take for granted as truth can be stripped away from you in an instant where you have to say, oh, okay, my whole understanding of gender was founded on faulty principles. And I now need to relearn it completely at almost 50 years old. (laughs) And so I'm three years in now, I'm in an entirely different place, but I thank my daughter. I think it's one my greatest gift in life that she has taught me so much and that she felt safe and supported in the world to be her true self and to transition into her true self with our complete support in every way. But I I also want people to know that, yes, there's a lot to it. And there are many medical implications, social implications, implications in terms of our society's degree of acceptance, which we have a long way to go in understanding. So in the process, it's been exciting to me to share what I've learned and to write about what I've learned. I have articles on Medium. If anybody wants to look them up, just go to Bridget Sampson on Medium. Just to, just to interject yeah. real quick before you say those titles of the articles, they are brilliantly written and so informative and so well-written so um, and just well done and so amazing. So please do go check out those articles, which are titled... Thank you, Adam. So the first one is what to do when your kid comes out as transgender, which I've been told is incredibly helpful for the many, many people. You know, it's not that we have more transgender people. It's just that we now live in a world where it's better understood and safer to come out. So everyone's saying, what's happening? All these transgender people are coming out of the woodwork. No, they've always been there, but it wasn't safe. So for instance, in my support group, just in our local small support group, we have 2000 families whose kids have come out as transgender. So that article is really for the parents who are going through what I've went what I went through and also all who want to support those parents. Mm -hmm. And the second article is what not to say to transgender, to parents of transgender kids, just a friendly, but very honest and blunt reminder of some of the things that people say when they find out that someone has a transgender kid that may not be as helpful as it's intended. And I do bring into that, I do want to mention that I am an emeritus professor of communication studies as well. So I taught at a university communication courses, advanced public speaking and interpersonal and business communication courses. So I do bring that into this work. It's not just as a mom, but as someone who writes about communication skills. And the last one is how I gave the wrong TEDx talk, because Mm. the interesting thing about my TEDx talk, which thank you for mentioning, is it was all about sharing your story and your deepest, darkest secrets and being a public speaker who inspires others and shares your gifts with the world. And it was only weeks after Jackie came out and no one knew. And so there was this incredible cognitive dissonance of I should be talking about transgender rights and I should be talking about what to do when your kid comes out. But I knew nothing about those things yet because I was only a few weeks in and I was literally in shock 
and, and to some degree denial even still at that point. So I, I just shared that story really because I know it's a cliche, but that message, that meme we all see about you just never know what someone's going through. Mm -hmm. You never know. And I was on that stage giving that talk and I still gave it my all, even though I didn't sleep at all the night before. And I was so worried about everything. And I just want everyone to know, I see you. I feel you. I know that you're out there showing up in the world in so many ways for everybody else and that you've got you've got struggles in your heart as well. And I see you, I feel you. I am always aware that that's happening for all of us. And so I wanted to share that story to convey that as well. First of all, thank you for sharing. It's something that a lot of people are, and I've heard this and I always counter it with what I'm about to say, but people are, are, well, well, people are all coming out now. Everything's being ruined, the family values and blah, blah, blah. Like you hear the arguments and I know that I sound kind of like I'm dismissive of it, because and and I I'm dismissive of it in a way in a sense because I understand the fear I understand that when things change drastically people don't we don't do well with change we our bodies are 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 pre-programmed for stasis right you get a fever or you get an infection your body raises its temperature to get it back to normal if you're cold you shiver to warm up if you're warm you sweat to cool down we're always looking for that that center point that balance that's just what we do biologically so it makes sense that psychologically, we're going to be looking for that as well. And so when things seem to be changing really quickly, people tend to get scared. They fear what they don't understand. And to those people, I say, listen, I feel you. I understand you. But remember how much scarier it is for the people who are going through it, for the people who are looking at this going, everything that I'm being told about myself feels wrong. How do I feel right? And when you look at the science behind it and you look at the history of it, transgender, uh, LGBTQ plus, I don't know what all the letters are, Mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is, is that we've been a spectrum for thousands of years. I've read about this. They've done studies on the human brains of people who are transgendered Mm -hmm. compared to people who are not. And the brains of transgender people match the sex of people who are not transgendered. In other words, if you are a transgender female, born male, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Your brain is going to be much more like a female human being than a male human being. So there are things that happen in nature that switch. It happens across the spectrum, across species, across everywhere. So the fact that we've only recently, because back in the day, I want to say two, 3,000 years ago, this was accepted. Yes. In Native American culture, there were 17 or 14 different genders, mm-hmm. and they were celebrated. Mm-hmm. But we've only recently closed our minds to this binary situation. If you, I mean, if you look politically, and we, this is not a political show, and we're not talking politics, but... I know far enough back, there was more than two parties, mm-hmm. but, but right. so far we've turned into a very binary society here in yes. the United States, at least. Yes. And so it's, it's really, I, I think about bringing the information out there so people can understand it. Yes. And so I thank you, Bridget, for sharing because that helps people understand and it makes it easier for people like Jackie as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's so heartening just to hear you share all of that, to know that someone who as far as I know, hasn't really been directly touched by, you know, someone in your close circle who's transgender for you to be so educated and informed and passionate about it. I just, I have to, it makes me like teary eyed because that's, that gives me hope for my child, for all the young transgender people in, in, in our support group and in the world. And, and, and not just young transgender people, the 70 year olds, the 80 year olds who are coming out as transgender because they can't stand it anymore. And they see finally 
you know, it's becoming somewhat safe to do so. So it, it's so heartening to hear you share all of that and everything you said is perfect. And I would just add to that from my experience now that I have spent so much time with transgender people, like it's absolutely just a form of human diversity. And we're going to get there to see that just like, again, being gay or lesbian or really like interracial marriage, who people are, if someone's attracted to the, a different race or someone's attracted to the same gender or like, it's just a form of human diversity, but because it feels new for so many people, it's so scary. But I can tell you that being transgender, like all the transgender people I know are so different from one another. They have, you know, and, and they're, they're all unique in their own ways, just as we all are. So please know that it's just another form of human diversity that you do not have to be afraid of and that you do not have to reject. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, and this has always been my stance, I mean, live and let live. I mean, I think it was, I don't, I, I don't want to swear, so I'm not going to use the exact quote. And I don't remember which comedian it was. It might have been Jim Gaffigan. I can't remember. But whoever it was, it was, they were talking about gay and lesbian. And well, what am I supposed to tell your kids? I don't know. It's your kid. You figure it out. You know what I mean? But right. the point, <laughs> the point is, is that unless it affects you directly, why should you care? Why can't right. people just live as they are? Why can't people, all people just be right. treated equally? And that's exactly. to me, like, that's the part that blows my head apart because I just, I just, I don't understand the concept of discriminating against people for race, color, creed, sex, religion, identity, whatever. Like, yes. like yes. as long as you're going to live in peace with other people, who cares what you believe? Who exactly. cares? Exactly. Why is it a problem? Exactly. And, and this has always been a passion of mine. And so I feel that Jackie coming out was just, it, it was a message from the universe for sure that you've, you've always been this social justice warrior. I always taught it in the classroom and in the corporate training rooms. And now it's like, okay, now it's personal, <laughs> you know, yeah. now it's your calling to get out and to spread this message in the world. And so I will give another little plug real quick if I can, just because I'm so passionate about it. It's not for anything I'm selling, but we have a monthly newsletter. Please just go to Samson, Samson with a P coaching and consulting.com. You can sign up for a newsletter and our September one newsletter, I'm breaking the news. I'm coming out telling everyone I have not made this super widely known with our corporate clients that I have a transgender daughter, that I'm doing education programs, that I'm presenting on it at conferences and, and at, at corporate summits I've done when we're talking about diversity. So I'm coming out, you know, we're coming out in the, in all realms with my newsletter and Jackie's written an article on gender inclusion in the workplace, gender diversity, inclusion in the workplace. We're going to be announcing a workshop, a live free Zoom workshop that we're doing with Johanna Clearwater, who's a, a trans Latina activist that's widely sought after as a speaker globally and who has a, a gorgeous documentary about her life made by an amazing award-winning filmmaker. And we're going to make access to that documentary available only for people who RSVP to the workshop. So I'm I'm going all in with it now and all the worlds are coming together and I'm I'm just shouting it from the rooftops now. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Your purpose and your work, everything coming together. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for uh, Bridget's newsletter, and I highly recommend that you do, it'll be in the show notes below, mm -hmm. Samson Coaching and Consulting. So you just scroll up on your player right now and you'll see right there, the, the, the link is right there. Bridget, I want to like a couple of parting things here for today's episode. One, if there was one thing that you can give to my listeners right now, that would help them enhance their life? What What would you say one thing that they could add to their life to enhance their life right now that they can use? Be kind to yourself. Tell yourself every day, I love you and I've got you. We got this, baby. 
<laughs> just talk to yourself as you would a lover. You are amazing. You got this. You can do it. You're capable. You're beautiful. You're smart. Just be so, so kind to yourself. That's the best advice, I think. Bridget, thank you so much for being with us today. Before we go, actually, no, you already answered it. You already answered it. I was going to ask what's lighting you up, and I already know because you just, you literally just talked about it. I think this is perfect. Thank you so much for being with us today. You are wonderful. Once again, Samson Coaching and Consulting, sign up for the newsletter. You can find all sorts of wonderful resources from Bridget on there. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm grateful to have had you here today. As always, we're grateful to have you as we consider you family. So thank you for being with us whenever you get to be with us or whenever we get to have you with us is more like it. Thank you so much, Bridget. Thank you so much, Adam. I could talk to you for hours and hours, as you know. This was so great and such a pleasure. And I thank you so much again for having me on the podcast. I love it. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.